You're listening to Almost Diplomatic, DC-based podcast that discusses geopolitics, national security, a whole bunch of nonsense over beers. And as a disclaimer, the views and comments made during this episode are those of the participants and do not represent any entity that they volunteer with or are employed by. Enjoy! Hey everybody, welcome to Almost Diplomatic. I'm your host, Ryan Young, and joining me today is... Lex Cardone. And Sean McGuffin. And we're recording on October 6th, 2020. Well, guys, welcome back. Um, I'm just going to apologize to the tens of people who might care that it's been a month since our last episode. It was like herding cats. I couldn't get uh, anyone together to get just do an episode. Uh, hey. This is the... Go ahead. Pandemic times, man. You know, you, you get what you can get. Yeah. I, I just didn't want to talk to Ryan. I mean, that was mostly my thing, but then the cats got herded in, as you, as you said, so. Yeah, Here we yeah, are. I mean, it, it hurts a lot. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so, I mean, cause it's, 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 this, this, this is the longest uh, gap I've ever had in doing it the last couple of years. <laughs> That's why I'm like, fuck! But, uh, anywho. So, this episode, we're going to be talking about um, in kind of in commemoration of the in celebration of the 75th anniversary of the United Nations, which is in October 24th. So we're doing a bunch of episodes, hopefully for October. We'll see what how things pan out. Um, we're talking about the P5 today, uh, the permanent five members of the Security Council. And before we jump to that, we'll be talking about our beers. Uh, Sean, what are you drinking tonight? Uh, I have a Saranac, uh, their festive pilsner. It's a uh, it's a beer from upstate New York. That's a uh, yeah, it's a standard beer, not bad. Colleen demanded I have some, so that's why we got it. Uh, that that makes sense. Is it yeah. Cooperstown or is I I okay? Yeah, I've heard of that brewery before. Yeah, I am drinking a Dogfish Head 120 minute IPA. It's the first time ever I've ever had one of these, which is kind of shocking because the 90 minute is probably probably my favorite go to beer. Um, but um, actually, it's probably not surprising that it's the first time i've had this because it's between 15 and 20 percent alcohol in a regular 12 ounce <laughs> bottle so it's it's and, and it doesn't really God. taste like it it's just that it's really like i remember uh, a couple of years ago i tried to buy this and then the cash register the register came up like oh this is 54 dollars, and i was like wait what the hell no i'm not buying that for a four pack but um yeah so yeah. uh cheers Cheers to this episode being. uh, You're gonna have a fun episode. Yeah, yeah. I hope to have a great great time. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah, And like, this is from Utica, New York, so not too far away from Cooperstown. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm drinking Stone Brewings Enjoy by Ten Thirty One Twenty. So their special Halloween IPA. Does Uh, it taste like pumpkin spice? No, thank God. Something nice. Mm, nice. No, pumpkin spice is fucking awful. (laughs) Uh, but yeah, it's a spooky can. Look at this can. Steve. Spooky. Oh. Spooky. Oh. But I, 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 I love these Enjoy by beers because they're just... Yeah, 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 fine. Have visual cues for your fucking audio podcast. Yeah, that's a great it idea. It was just for you. It was just for you guys. <laughs> okay? Yeah, inside jokes don't work well when you're doing audio. I don't know if it's an inside joke. I, I, I know it's, just, it's, it's... I know you've been doing a dumb this idea. For weeks, not several years, but... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> maybe you should figure that one out. <laughs> don't tell me to live my life yeah. 
But uh, these enjoy beers, uh, enjoy by uh, beers that Stone does are awesome. There was like this basically a fresh brewed. Like this one was like was made 23rd of September, and it's only gonna last till Halloween. Then it's kind of not good anymore, which means it's just super fresh stuff. It's pretty good. It's also nine point four percent. Is that uh, wow? Are they unpasteurized? Yeah, that's making me feel like. There? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. They're making me feel like little bitches. My my beer is not anywhere near that. Yeah, yeah, I'd well. say that'd be great. So I also want to get a a, a good beer for um, we have an event this Thursday that we're doing, so I'm gonna get drunk for that. And I would promote that event, except you know what? By the time this episode comes out, uh, it's gonna be already Thursday, so uh, <laughs> it's kind of pointless. So I'm not gonna waste so time talking about it. Almost diplomatic events. Yeah, just, <laughs> just hop in your time machine, go back, and then it's all good. Don't worry about it. Just if you just go to ypp.org/events, almost diplomatic UN75, you'll see it. That's when that's me wasting time of it, but uh, yeah, I got I got this beer from the brew shop, which is that awesome place in Arlington that sells uh great beers. But anyway, so the United Nations Permanent Five of the United Nations Security Council that was a great sentence. Um, <laughs> but no, sure, uh, we can call that a sentence. Yeah, I mean technically it is, supposedly. Um, the UN Security Council, there's 15 members. Five have permanent seats, and those are all members that basically the allies have won the Second World War. So France, China, and Russia, UK, and United States. I paused. I thought I said something wrong, and I was like, no, I'm good. Like, God, I'm, uh, this is already going off the rails. <laughs> um, but but uh, no, it's – it's um these five members are basically – they're at the end of the war. They're like, hey, we don't want to have – this again. This was a wreck. So it's not. It's kind of together, and that let people run kind of run wild and actually try to have rules to the chaos of the world. It created the UN. The Security Council is basically made to deal with crises, so war, terrorism, famine. You know what kind of whatever gets decided gets. You know they help uh, influence and make decisions. And the Permanent Five has kind of been that guy since World War Two, and that's risen to a lot of problems. Because, you know, a lot of these countries have their own agendas, and it's kind of gone on for a while. They have, and those countries haven't exactly got on, you know, the whole USSR, uh, you know, Cold War, mumbo-jumbo. Not a great time to start an international organization founded on cooperation and mutual understanding when uh, you're about to enter, uh, you know, four decades of proxy wars and espionage. Yeah. <laughs> Well, you have to think about, like, when the UN was founded, it was initially an organization of allied states to win the war. Then after that, it was, okay, this is the second, the end of the Second World War. This is the war to end all wars, part due. Um, we're, we're here now to, you know, firmly banish the specter of interstate and global conflict from the human species. Uh, turns out that didn't mesh very well with what came afterwards, um, and then people within in, inside the UN and within national governments had to adapt its purpose going forward into the Cold War years and beyond. Now, th they at least, though, had it where at the end of the Second World War, there was you know, relative peace in the world, whereas at the end of the First World War with the League of Nations, no one had ever stopped fighting except for in France. Everyone else was like the Wild West, you know, shooting guns in the street as far as in Russia, Hungary, and everywhere else. At least the UN got to be able to have five minutes of international peace going, all right, so th there are no wars? None? Oh, thank God. And then and then chaos erupted. 
Great. I mean, I, I don't want to even knock the UN because the UN's doing a phenomenal job of like actual world stability, like overall. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's still, there's like, it's not, it's not perfect. Nothing's perfect, so it's just kind of is what it is. But I mean, the the main thing about the P5 is that they have veto power. That means anything that you know, the Security Council puts forward, they can be vetoed by those four. Each one of those members by just by giving their one vote. Like it could be 14 members of the Security Council going like, "Hey, we want to do this one thing." Then. X other country says, no, nah, we don't want to do that, and they veto it, and it's done. Yeah, and the fact that their resolutions are binding. Yes. Yeah, and it's the fact that, like, these P5 came together 75 years ago when each of these five countries, I mean, one, it was originally not the PRC, it was the Republic of China that was the representative. Um, so each of these countries have are in a very different position um, than they were in um, in 1943 or whenever it came together. Um, now you have a lot of a lot more significant countries that were not very much on the global playing field um, that are making the case that they belong on the permanent Security Council. Um, so, what do you guys think of that? I, I mean, I think it. I, mean, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head that. I mean, you know, uh, some of the countries that are making a case for being on the Security Council were not independent countries when no. the when the Security Council was first put together. And I mean, I mean, I think there was only like forty or fifty-ish original members of the UN, and now there is one hundred ninety-three, if I recall, one hundred ninety-four. Uh, uh-huh. And I mean, a lot of those new countries came from well, what was the French Empire, what was the British Empire, and what was the Soviet Union. And so uh, everyone's kind of looking around saying, well, how how many of you are truly still relevant and or or if you're still relevant and, you know, we're not you're not taking that away, then uh, we are now just as important as you are. Why don't why don't I have the same you know seat at the table as uh, as you all do? Yeah. Yeah, it's it's been I mean it's been an argument about having more basically the the, the UN needs to be more represented or the security Council, the P5 needs to be more representative of the world rather than just you know these you know five countries for that one that won the Second World War which has been you know it's been seventy five plus years seventy five years so it's kind of like well what now and you know I think we've kind of wanted what I w- wanted to discuss tonight really is the main thing is. Who should be next? If we say let's make it say it's gonna be a P seven. They're like we want two other countries to be added on, and we're gonna ignore that it could also be making because of the more veto power could make it almost worse. You know that is what it is. Um, but so we have two more countries, and who would they be? But first, I want to kind of discuss what are you know the things that would matter for for being a member of the P five. Say they're you know they're looking at you're, it's like you're looking for the best candidate. It's like we're trying to hire somebody who would make the most sense and who would be the best idea. And we're going to go through some some things that people would generally mm. think are good ideas, but they might not work in real life. Ooh, okay. Yeah, let's make people sad. Yeah. So Stir the like, pot, Ryan. I mean, I'm trying, right? <laughs> How many countries can ban your entry in the next 25 minutes or whatever we, whatever we have? Yeah, yeah. How many, how many like, just no-fly lists can we get you on? I mean, what's yeah, I don't know what's go, what, what's the, what's the what's the record? I mean, let's do it. <laughs> His name is Edward Snowden. Batter. That's let's the record. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, that piece of shit. Um, so would human rights matter? Like, their human rights record matter if they were going to be a member of the permanent 
permanent at seven. It should it or does it? Yeah. yeah well, it's like, well, it's like well, it's like well, either or both. I I I would say this. The answer is the same to me. I mean, it's never mattered to you know currently Russia and China, the ones who veto every human rights measure that come forward. Um, go back a little bit, France and Britain, the imperialist powers, they have no gr- ground to stand on when it comes to human rights, quote unquote. Um, the Americans, we, we talk a lot and we've done a lot of good, but we've also done a lot of very, very bad stuff. So does it, I, I, don't, I don't see how adherence to this nebulous idea of human rights comes into play. Yeah, because it's it's like uh, you know China has uh, concentration camps for Uyghurs and everything they're doing in Hong Kong, and then um, right. Russia um, helped Assad bomb hospitals and stuff like that in Syria. And it's like wow, oh, well I guess I guess human rights don't actually matter. That's fun. No. Well, it it, it would be a type of thing that uh, once we get into our uh, matchmaker section of this podcast, it would almost be a tiebreaker. Uh, yeah, I'm thinking of this as like as like all right, you know, uh, what you know, describe your perfect Tinder profile for a new, you know, uh, <laughs> council member. What do you want to see on there? Yeah. How tall do they have to be? What are the other details? But it'd Bachelor be a type of thing. number one. That's exactly what I'm thinking. Yes, yeah, yeah. It's um, I yeah. I, I got you, Sean. I got, I'm yes, I'm with thank you. you. It it but it's it's something that none of the P5 have a leg to stand on uh at least you know at least as far as like being white knights here uh which kind of comes with the territory of being a powerful country that well you didn't really get there by being uh by being someone who respects other boundaries or stuff like that uh but at the same time it's something that even in the even in the un's founding though it was supposed to be that way so if uh, if a country's walking in there saying, hey, we should have a seat versus somebody else, then they could at least make that argument. Now, would it matter to, depending upon who they are, to a lot of countries? No. But it's the type of thing, it's an argument that could be made that would at least, you know, have some good PR in its own right. Okay, yeah. well, obviously human rights don't matter. Um, moving yeah, on. Yeah, unfortunately. It, does, it, does it matter a democracy? <laughs> uh, same 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 answer where it it would be yeah. really nice but it just doesn't okay yeah i'll i'll save my what's gonna fix everything argument for the end but the short <laughs> answer is no <laughs> okay what about um military strength i mean essentially like you know that's why there is a there is a p5 mm. I mean, it's also I mean, your ability, to... your ability to project what, uh, like, the, I mean, I think you have a good point with that. I think that should be taken into consideration. But your ability to put an aircraft carrier on the other side of the world and project power, um, what, what does that really have to do with, um, you know, creating global stability and in their international consensus, like. I, it does certainly have a role, but how, how do you measure that? How do you like quantify that? Like, I, I don't know. I, I think it comes into play that if you uh, that not necessarily being able to put you know a carrier over here or build an airbase over there, um, it's that do you belong uh, on the Security Council or permanently Security Council if you don't have any ability to do that at all? That that's where I think at least that um, 
military strengths comes into play in that the the reason the 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 these countries are there is because if if these places left then you know the the world system can't function without such an important key cog that uh went missing so i think it it comes into play but it's not nearly as important as it was say in 1945 when uh you know the the exact list of uh, the t- world's top five military forces um, were the you know were the ones that got on the Security Council. Yeah, I think I think that's the, the yeah. main reason. Is there that, are a lot more regional powers now? Yeah, yeah. I think it's also it's a thing of you know you're gonna be able, say you're gonna be you're you're able to participate in military operations and really and have the capability to do it and kind of be like can flex because like hey we're the p7 we're we're the top guys so that's kind of a thing that needs to be a factor uh well, well but to throw a monkey wrench into that though i'm thinking of uh u.n operations and peacekeeping forces and all that and um they come from a mixed bag but like Bangladesh and Nepal send a lot of uh, peacekeeping forces around places. So does say India and Pakistan, at least just to fill out that neighborhood there. And while, you know, the latter two have at least made rumblings about joining uh, Security Council, uh, the former two don't have really like stand on, nor are they looking to make that those types of waves. So, uh, but if Nepal is say contributing so much to uh, UN peacekeeping operations, does that count towards their argument or any country in a similar position's argument that hey, I, you know, I I, I sent fifteen thousand troops to Somalia to help with, uh, you know, uh, fighting Al Shabaab, uh, you know, hey, does does that count for anything here? I I'm not sure it does, but it's it, it's again it's an argument to make if you're one of these countries trying to trying to get in the cool kids club. Yeah, I agree. What about what about have uh, well, what about having nukes? All the P5 members have nukes. Do you have to get have a nuke to join the club? Personally, I don't think so. Which... You, have to, you have to say that though. Okay, okay. My girlfriend does in fact work for anti-nuclear weapons people, but but this also <laughs> just goes that that it. Uh, so yeah, you got me there. But but personally, I don't think so, and the reason being that they're. They're weapons that are used to posture and bluster, but even if, but they, they're they're almost unusable because of their because of their potency. Yeah. And so you could be, you know, China would still be an extremely important country if it didn't have nuclear weapons. And the same with India. The same with a couple other people. Um. Uh. So the nuclear weapons have a very interesting diplomatic position, but. It's not like, uh, you know, it's not like, uh, you know, people think that Russia or that the United States is only important because of its nuclear weapons or something like that. Yeah. Okay. So moving on from military strength, what about economic power? Should they be like a Germany or a United States or what the UK used to be? <laughs> oh, oh, <laughs> yikes. Uh, I think so, yes. Oh, that that that's honestly probably uh, nowadays the most important factor. That that if you don't have economic power, then there's just no way that you can even be considered. Alex, what do you think? What is what does economic power entail? Is it being a center of you know global financial markets? Is it being a an exporter like Germany? Is it? I, I, I it, mean, it, it matters how much physical gold you possess. 
question. How much gold do you mine? Yes. Uh, <laughs> no, no, I mean, no, no. that's fair. How many yeah. piles of gold? I've played Age of Empires, and so that's how I know what matters. Uh, that is... <laughs> that's what... <laughs> Christ. Uh, I, I mean, I mean, honestly, I would... Uh, it gets you. It gets you sway uh, in the world, though. Yeah, that's the big thing. And you yeah. have you have, you have it, influence. It's tough to measure though with something like that because with when it comes to international financial transactions, most of it goes through the United States, which makes us the not only the superpower of international finance, the hyper extra. I I I don't know what you know. Tom Apex Freeman predator. Would, uh, Apex per <laughs> exactly this kind of thing. The so like guy. in this case, in the mona the monopoly guy, but like times a thousand. So there really isn't any other nation state that holds the same amount of sway. At the same time, there you know the inputs that go into that come from all over, even from places that you know are, are certainly from places seventy five years ago uh, were nothing but colonies or backwaters or you know. Vietnam, Thailand, Cambodia, um, Indonesia. Nigeria, Indonesia, exactly. These places that were basically um, just no one paid attention to them at all. And now they're, you know, some of the most populous countries on the planet and some of the most economically, uh, the, the strongest economic growth there. So it's, I don't know, how would you have a, a commission determine who? <laughs> who's in the club and who's not like it's I, I mean i mean but like with with all this it's not like you need a certain number of boots on the ground or you need a certain gdp number i mean maybe gdp yeah. number but it's uh, i think it would come into play where uh whether you're china with their one belt one vote type thing or japan with their own in development bank or uh the the other you know various just international you know uh, hefting countries with their financial prowess, uh, that that directly since time immemorial has played into, or at how, uh, what can you actually do as a country, or how much can you perform both internally with your own domestic affairs, and then externally being able to, you know, suddenly drop two million dollars or you know twenty million dollars for a relief fund uh, for you know a flight of locusts that has just eaten half of Kenya or some other thing like that that. Uh, I mean, I was kind of joking about it being about how much physical gold you have, but I don't think it matters what type of economy it is, whether it's a service-based economy or manufacturing, that is, is like a lot of the developed world. But just overall economic numbers, I think, matter a lot. But with that said, does that then mean like Saudi automatically gets in the, uh, you know, gets in the club? Because honestly, if you're asking about how much, who has the most physical gold, while... I feel like Trump Tower might have a strong <laughs> showing there. Uh, I mean, like, I think, what is it, Saudi Aramco, like, the value of that company is, like, just a, a silly amount. Like, they when they went public, they put up yeah. hundreds of billions of dollars worth what of, was like, the public, what was I, the, the stock price when it went public? What was, it was just something like oh, multiple times the amount of basis Saudi points that existed with them. It, it was like with it, people people didn't know how to quantify it because it was just so valuable but like yeah no i i mean if they're if if it's just a dollar amount obviously the saudis are probably 
much more influential than maybe they should be. But obviously it doesn't just, it's not about, you know, who has the money. Obviously that plays into account, but. It, it doesn't make them the perfect tender date. <laughs> <laughs> it just helps. <laughs> it does help. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, well, yeah, I think, Lex, what you're, what you're getting to is that is that it's not just how much money or how much how big an economy you have right now, but kind of the a bit more of the institutional side of it as well, as as you were kind of mentioning with the unit. With all transactions occurring in U.S. dollars right now, or almost all? Like, what happens, I mean, obviously, I mean, Saudi has this kind of rentier state model. A lot of other wealthy countries in the region do. Um, people, I mean, that's great for the short term, but what um, drives international finance is kind of the long-term growth strategies. And that... In Saudi, there's a lot of comp- there's a lot of caveats, whether it's political instability, whether it's um, regional instability, whether it's you know uh, oil prices shooting up and down. So, I, <laughs> yeah. I mean, in five years, they could not that maybe they're not as relevant as they need to be to get into the P5. But that's, that's an episode. That's an episode on itself. But um, moving a little along. Should the new selections be more representative of the world population? I mean, that's a pretty obvious question. It should be, it should be yes. But would it be, though, is the question. Because right now, it's, it's like a bunch of European countries, the U.S. and China. Yeah. And France, for some reason. Yeah. I mean, they do. They're, I think... They're I'd, still I'd make the argument that France that. is more relevant than the U.K., <laughs> but... Yeah, the U.K. Uh, is I would have, shouldn't be a P5 I, anymore. I, I, it's, that was a cheap shot on my part. <laughs> What did France do to you? At the same, yeah. Dick. Get overrun in 1940. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, but you know, so did everybody else that had land border. Help yeah, liberate America yeah. from the British, because uh, they're they the real enemy. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> moving on. They make <laughs> cool statues, like a really fucking big one. Yeah. Anyway. anyway. Uh, so, uh, population, um, kind of. But I think yeah. the answer it's like it should be yes, but it's like depending whether countries can do it or not, or it's like it, it shouldn't it shouldn't rely on that. It shouldn't be the only reason in itself. I think. Yeah, I also think there should be a geographic kind of distribution of it. Like well, that's, you get, that's, that's what they have for the elected members. Well, we'll get to that, but. Elected members, they don't, I mean, they have that now, but permanent members, as long as we're sticking to the the permanent elected model. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I I mean, so for this number of people, though, I don't think so. Uh, Because, again, like Bangladesh, bless their heart, not doing great right (laughs) right now, or most of the time is this history, unfortunately. But they have like 200 million people. They're up there as far as the most populous states in the uh, in the world. And like they have more people than I think every country in Europe besides Russia. And I, I mean, I might be off by one, but, you know, it's uh, even I, I, so, I, I don't I don't mean just like by uh, like, Europe. I mean. Yeah, I don't mean just okay. I mean, like as a, from a region per se. I mean, like, I, I as a whole region, I don't uh, mean like a country by itself, not like, OK, because India has a billion people, India should get a spot. Nothing like that. More, it shouldn't be just a bunch of fucking white people. Oh yeah, 
Yeah, yeah. So that that okay, yeah. So that then folds into the geographic point that Alex brought up. Yeah, I I'd say so. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, I mean, right now it's essentially a bunch of white people and China. So you have a lot of members of the global south that are saying, "Hey, our economies are global." You know, India chief among them. I would put Nigeria. I would put Brazil. Uh, Japan, um, I would put a lot of places that, you know, don't typically fall into the, what you think about as the leading nations of the world category. But yeah, I, I think they have a legitimate case. And but that is like, how, you, how do you divide that up? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think that you, you can. I think it just, it's going to be what it is. But I'm ready to get to our. Uh, well, what our what is choices. what it is? What it what is what it is? Like who who determines what it is? Well, well we do. Damn it! I guess <laughs> that's what we're talking you about. That's, what, that's bachelor yeah. number two. No, uh, how do you determine who bachelor number two is, or or three or four or five? How much physical gold they have? Next question. <laughs> do you have the gold. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so Russia is just like, oh, we'll we'll issue you all this debt with thirty yeah. percent APR. Eh. Uh, well, 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 I mean, or just be like China and say, hey, how about you just give us a port, Sri Lanka? Very oh, yeah. much they, so. They fuck Sri Lanka real good. Like, well, I, I mean, I almost looked at it been like, wow, just, they they fought hard. Sri Lanka fought hard, but then they just, you know. Yeah. Well, well, I, I looked at it as like, wow, they pulled the exact same card that other that other countries pulled on them. I, it, it was, it, I was like, oh, you know, nice callback, good references, you know, it, it, almost yeah. like they were talking about a TV show that people stopped watching a long time ago. Um, no, it, 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 it reminded me of the uh, European powers going into Nagasaki, being like, oh, you don't want to trade with us? Fine, we'll just bombard you until you trade with us. And the Japanese being like, okay, sure. <laughs> I, I I thought they came in and said, you know, please open, stop having yourself be closed, and then and then they started shooting. No, they came in shooting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Come on. Uh, 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 anyway, anyway, we're the guy's we're... name that did that, by the way, Matthew Perry, same as the uh, actor. I'm sorry, Ryan. Yeah, Matthew anyway. Perry is responsible for all global issues. There is a beer called Commodore Perry. It's great. Um, <laughs> it's from uh, one of those um, Great Lakes. I think it's Great Lakes Brewery. But um, anyway, we're we're kind of we're going through time kind of quickly. So let's get to our uh, actual picks. So I'm gonna go. We'll, we'll take turns. Uh, I'm gonna go with my first pick, and uh, I think Japan should be added into the P7. Why is that, Ryan? Because they're economic power. They have a decent sized military, even though it's not technically a military. Because of you know constitutional reasons, um, I think they have influence in the region, despite their uh, really fucked up past in the region. Uh, I mean, South Korea hates them because of a lot of you know. I, we we did we did we talked about this in uh, an Abe we trust or the last episode we did, and uh, yeah, so I think Japan would be a great addition. And they're a rational actor, and they've mostly behaved themselves the last seventy five years. Uh, they they really need to write like a, at least an acknowledgement or letter to like the countries around them. But uh, I think that'd be yeah. I think that makes lots of sense. Mm-hmm. Well, they want to fight me. They want to poke holes. 
Come at me. Uh, well, I, well, I mean, well, I mean, how about this though? Uh, you, you have then like South Korea right next door with a a smaller economy and population, but still way larger than a lot of the other countries. Uh, uh, you know, a lot of the other countries around the world. Um, if you're putting Japan, why not? Just to be a dick about it, why not South Korea as well? South Korea is at the bottom of my list. Um. Hey. <laughs> uh. But why not? Why Japan, not South Korea? Uh, South Korea, I mean, they're they're influential in the region, but like Japan has a is is they they go outside of Asia. Like, J- I think they, Japan I think. Japan does have more of of pretty much all the categories that we talked about. Of just They've having... also been stagnating for the past twenty five years. So let's not calm down, economic nerd. I'm just saying you're, you're not wrong there, but they're still the third largest economy in the world. They are, and so, and, and, and by by like a pretty big margin as well at that. Mm-hmm. Who's number four? Germany. Oh, well, they can't be allowed because I mean obvious reasons. What reasons are those? <laughs> All right, so let's. It is now your turn. <laughs> <laughs> Why do you hate the Germans? And please be extremely explicit. Uh, we're moving on right now. Um, <laughs> I my my solution my solution to this dilemma would be to break up the Security Council altogether. It would be, and this is we're not getting maybe that. No, coming no, from an American. No, it's a it's a different thing. We're gonna wrap up at the end and talk about that stuff. What's 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 who's oh, your pick? We're not even. Who's your my pick? pick? Um. I can go if you want. Uh, yeah, go for right. it. <laughs> uh, I would say that. Um, I would say that honestly, I think uh, that the France's veto should kind of be then consumed and just have a European Union veto, or just have like a European. Oh, you're Union. one of those fucking people who really. Uh, well, I like that. Well, well, I mean, honestly, the European <laughs> Union is far more important than any individual member. Yeah. Like they, they have so many fucking people, and they've, and they're. They they have so much of all the things that we talked about as well. Now, will that happen? Who who knows? But we're all, you know, sitting here drinking highly potent beers. Uh, so you know we can. Oh move. yes, all of us, all of us. All I right, I have since got a second beer, uh, which is <laughs> wow, still not as strong as I don't Drink know up. his liquor based beer, whatever Lex is drinking. But uh, I would say something like that. Yeah. yeah. I mean that's that's a good, that's a good decision. I, I like I like France's Security Council. They do actually do a lot in the world. Yeah, like Macron, I, w- I I I think you both bring up good points. I would also throw in India as another so, potential. That was, know, my, next, that was, like, that was my next I, one. Because I I mean maybe it's maybe it's just short sighted in my mind, but there's a lot that India interest that India has on its own that doesn't fall into. You know the China Russia camp or the US EU camp or I mean they they were the historical founders of the non-aligned movement during the Cold War. Um, they're the biggest uh, democracy on the planet, which and they run you know decent elections every now and then of over what is it like over a billion people or a uh, hundred? Yeah. I don't know. But something something like that. So I I think huge amount of people, huge amount of economic potential. I think India, if there is going to be a shortlist for the P five, I think India needs to be on that first among first among those. 
No, I agree. That it was it was gonna be my 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 second one. I was gonna pick. Um, I think that the, everything you said was correct. I think they're. I mean, probably, Modi's kind of a nationalist. That's kind of terrifying. So. But like overall, they're doing well. Uh, their military is pretty. I mean, it's kind of fucked up in a lot of ways. It's it's kind of broken and old. It's it's dated. Let's just say that. Um, no. But they uh, blame the. Go ahead. Blame the Brits. <laughs> uh, I'm okay with that. <laughs> although, although, so now we've at least like uh, 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 outside of uh, outside of then, I guess I had kind of a European one. You had, and then you two both had Asia. Uh, would there? Would you guys put any? Do you guys think any countries in South America, Africa deserve a seat? Which, like the first one that yeah. you go to, then is Brazil. Yeah, I mean, Bra- I mean Brazil, except like chaos, corruption, history of fucking like authoritarian regimes. It's kind of all. Well, same eh. with Russia. Same with yeah. China. Same. With, yeah. I think Brazil would be after India, and I, I honestly Japan too. But after those two, I think Brazil should be because of their size, their economic importance. They're they are the leading country. I mean, now that Argentina has spent eighty years fucking themselves, <laughs> I, I think Dude, Brazil. Arge- every th- time I see a- the news about Argentina, it's never great. It's like yeah, no, it is, uh, it's yeah. They're still they bad for the, the No matter they're how the badly the Brazilians screw, no matter how how badly the Brazilians screw themselves over, they're still the leading country of South America, and I think that alone deserves them. Um, a seat at the table in Africa. However, I I think I mean the, the obvious answer there would be Nigeria or sorry <laughs> South Africa. But I think Nigeria is the um, the uh, one of the most the most populous nation in Af- in Africa. I think they have trade links everywhere. I th- I think they would be the um, if you're gonna give a, a wild card pick to to the African continent. I think Nigeria should be that one. I would I would agree. I think my big thing is they've had I mean their current administration is okay. The prior couple people they've had have not been awesome. Their military suffered a lot well, what of do you mean corruption. Like there's lots of lots of I, corruption I, issues. Like they lost economic prowess and their military became a fucking joke. Yeah. So, but besides, but, but, they, but, but they're, they're still significant. So, like, oh yeah, I mean, for, I mean, for a long time they contributed. They were the most biggest contributors to uh, African Union forces in Africa. Like, they were the ones doing most of the peacekeeping missions there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they, they have, I would give, I would give it over. I give it to Nigeria over South Africa easily. Nigeria has a larger economy. Um, at least say that, yeah. Yeah. And they're and they might they're they're supposed to have what was it like three hundred million people by like twenty fifty or something like that. A a silly. Silly, silly large number, to be honest. Um, uh-huh. Although, so now, uh, now question though, it's, if you're just looking at like uh, pure uh, pure economics of it, like uh, Nigeria's Nigeria's economy is in there of like an average size, uh, like European country. Um, now, now does is this a, is this a rule that then breaks the mold of? All right. Well, you might not have the largest economy, but especially in that region uh, of the world, you have you know you're very important uh, to this and that. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Yeah. Regional regional clout 
matters, and I think it should for any international organization. Um, but yeah, no, it, it's it's good to debate. Well, 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 but well, well, but then on the on the flip side, though, at least then uh, I could see I could see a lot of other countries like I don't know, like Indonesia, or I mean, I mean, even Mexico for that matter, yeah. that have. You know, a comparable Mexico, amount of people yeah. in a much larger economy saying, well, why does, you know, yes, Nigeria is a very important country, especially in Africa. But then why do they get a veto over global affairs versus, um, you know, versus me where I, I meet all of those credential, credentials as well? Which is, I think, just an awkward kind of pause that you then shuffle out the door and move out of the way. But... Yeah, but does Indonesia and Mexico, I mean, Mexican foreign policy is, is, very, is a very interesting study by itself, but being overshadowed by its larger neighbors, same thing with Indonesia being overshadowed by its larger regional neighbors, whereas Nigeria is kind of the significant power almost power, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, and that's, so, and that's even I, despite, I the, despite the instability they've had the last couple of years because of a Boko Haram and other things like that. Right. State the West Caliphate. Yeah. yeah. All right. Um, so we're getting down to the end. Do we have any more suggestions that are, or just that would actually be good, or do we want to get to like potential reforms for Security Council? How how it could actually work? The uh, uh, the at least just possible other like like people on my list of importance would be like maybe Indonesia just because of their their clout mm-hmm. and then uh, as and then probably someone from the from the Middle East or um, and probably someone from the Middle East if you will I don't Who? I think those Who? oh I'm, e- I, I, Egypt like that fucking I, I, I don't even want to to say but but thing but if you're but let's say if everyone that we had just mentioned, uh, got onto the Security Council, then I think uh, you would then have s- uh, countries from the Middle East that have populations in the hundreds, you know, uh, you know, either around 100 million or at minimum in the tens of millions, uh, then making arguments and, you know, significant economies and militaries, then making arguments that we are vital to the world, uh, you know, to the world balance of power or, you know, political structure or whatever world word you want to use there. I think you then have countries that then try to make that argument, but uh, I don't know. It, that's a topic for another time. Yeah, uh, I mean, would we would we think think about Turkey at all? I mean, super authoritarian now because of Erdogan's an asshole, but like <laughs> that's a that, there's there's one watch list. Um, but <laughs> it's like, would Turkey be considered one that would matter? Yeah, I think so. I mean that I think they'd be I think the other countries have a bigger that we mentioned have a better chance of doing it, but Turkey I think would be potentially up there. I mean they'd be divisive as fuck of Erdogan, but like I don't know. But um yeah, maybe. Maybe. Uh but let's move on to pos- quick solutions to the P the P five. My my first thing would be the P seven, it would be um veto is no longer by individual country, you have to have a majority veto. Wait, Which what? They, so basically, say it's like, say there's seven countries. It's like four out of three must veto this idea for the stop. It would never happen because no country would ever give up with their veto power. So it's kind of stupid mm-hmm. that I even mentioned it. 
Well, well, but but we're talking about adding countries to the Security Council in the first yeah. place, which, uh, uh, which even at that is a long way to go, and and uh, I could see all the countries we've talked about being added as permanent members. I I think it would be very difficult for these countries to be added and then to be given a veto or any type of any sway that comes close to that. That would be uh, that'd be a lot. But but if we're talking about ideas, then uh, then I'd say at minimum uh, one uh, you know one country cannot one country can't vote block this. So it's some type of resolution on God knows what. Uh, and Russia or the United States by themselves just can't say no, I don't like it, and then and then block it. Uh, I'd I'd say that it, it would take at least. I'd say it have it have to take at least two countries to veto it in order to in order to make it stop. I think a majority, uh, I think a majority would start to see people just kind of throwing their hands in the air and kind of like disregarding uh, disregarding things because I feel like you have to almost make it still possible for countries to stonewall if they want to, but make it as fair as you can. Lex, any Lex? final thoughts? Yeah, I'd. Uh... I'd break up the security, the security council. I'd turn it into a unic or a bicameral legislator setup along the lines of um, America, in terms of having, you know, one one house of the UN set up by, um, you know, number of states. Each state gets one vote. A number one, and and the bigger question would be how to divide up the other. Is it by population? Is it by political or economic influence? Is it something? I think the Security Council structure itself is antiquated and only belongs at a time when, you know, there were four or five powers that really ran the world. And today that just isn't the case. So I, th I think there needs to be a fundamental um, hollowing out of the UN organization and a, a rebuilding from within. Whatever that entails. So, so it would be kind of to complete the analogy, like the General Assembly would be the House of Representatives, and then Security Council would kind of be yes. the the Senate. Interesting, very interesting. Um, yeah, I, yeah, but there'd be more. I mean, I, there would be more parity between the two. Whereas, yeah, the General yeah Assembly it, it wouldn't be one for one, it, but still, no, there, yeah, hmm. that would be my. But the thing is, like, what I haven't figured out. In, Obviously, no one's figured out is how to divvy up power and influence. And um, I mean, obviously, one state, one vote is easy, but we saw how that works out in FIFA, uh, <laughs> getting 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 World Cups and everything. So obviously, that can't be the sole arbiter of you know what the world wants, whatever Kiribati or um, you know Samoa or whoever gets you know whoever they vote for. So it, it, it's 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 a tough question, but um, I think there's there's definitely ways to a lot of different ways to pursue the answer. Yeah, mm -hmm. and uh, hopefully we'll cover it at some other point because we're out of time. So that was almost dramatic. Thanks, guys. Bye, everybody. Thanks. Real enthusiastic, guys. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> you you so, don't pay us for our enthusiasm. I don't pay you at all. Yeah. Which is why there's low enthusiasm, obviously.
Let's just fucking do this and see what happens. Hey, everybody. Oh, fuck. I forgot to do it. Uh, Lex, you're going to go first. Then, uh, Sean, you're gonna, then you'll go. <laughs> I was about to start pointing. Hey, everybody. Out, fuck! <laughs> if that's not a good intro, I, I have never heard. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Me right. first. Yeah, then Sean. <laughs> and then Sean. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Moving some bottles. Uh, yeah, well, I love that noise. Sounds great. Hey, what do you... hey it's, it's not as bad as Lex. recycling. Sean? Uh, no, it's we bought more beer and it's now just lying around everywhere because we can't fit it in our fridge. It's a great problem to have. That is a good problem to have. That's an incredible problem. Yeah. To have. Yeah. 